Amen. So, how to find God's plan for your life. And what we're going to look at tonight is you were created for good works. Okay? That's the first part of this whole uh, series. Uh, I can remember many years ago, many decades ago, going to a, a funeral. And the body had to be buried in a cemetery. So I had a bit of time to walk around. And I looked around at some of the gravestones. And you just see this person's name there, that person, that person, that person. Some people that live long lives, some people that live very short lives. But this is the thought I had when I was looking at all these uh, gravestones. I thought, I wonder how many of these people that have come and gone have understood what God planned for their life. And secondly, I wonder how many of them actually walked in it. There's one thing to know it. It's another thing to actually walk it out. And uh, perhaps you've, you've been wondering, what is God's plan for my life? Perhaps you've never even thought that God may have a plan for your life. A plan which understands every single area of your life. And a plan which provides full provision for you to walk in that plan for all your needs and offers you the fullest possible realization of your potential as a human. That's the kind of plan that God has for your life. It's going it's to utilize who you are as a human being to your fullest capacity. Not just 1% of what you're capable of. God's not like that. He's thought of something absolutely incredible for your life. And maybe you never realize that. Or maybe you do have this kind of inner awareness that there is something that God wants you to do, but you're not sure how do I actually find out what that plan is. And maybe like me, you've gone away and you've prayed about what am I going to do in life and you've kind of... You, you're thinking there's going to be some kind of magical answer from God. And so you pray and pray and say, God, I really need to know specifically what do you want me to do? And then the first thing that jumps into your mind, you're like, that's what God wants me to do. But you walk away and you're like, I don't know if that's really God's will or isn't it. And so as a consequence, you might be left feeling frustrated and unfulfilled. But what I want to show you is that from God's Word, there's some very practical things that we can know apps with absolute surety. This is what God wants me to do. Okay? That sound like something you're interested in. Because once you live it, sorry, once you know it and you walk in it, you'll live the most fulfilled life out of anyone on the planet. Because when you're doing the thing that God made you to do, it's like a watch that tells the time. It does what it's supposed to do. It lives a fulfilling life. Not just sits there and is right twice a day, but it's actually right all the time. Amen? There's nothing better than getting in a car that works properly. And there's nothing worse than getting in a car that doesn't work properly. It's <laughs> I don't know what that's like, but some of you might know what that's like. Eh? Anyway, let's start by turning to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. See, this verse tells us what God has done for those who have been united with Jesus through salvation. This verse is about Christians and what God has done 
uh, in, in a Christian's life. You might not be a Christian here tonight. I'm trying to look around. I think most of you are. But uh, anyway, I think about 50% of you are. But we'll give you a chance at the end. All right? Uh, but this message is going to apply to non-believers and believers, okay? It's relevant for all of us. Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. Just say that to the guy next to you. You're a masterpiece. Okay? Amen. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> All right? You are God's masterpiece. Okay? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Now, that's quite a statement. We are God's masterpiece. Not just some artwork that he's kind of rambled together and just kind of put together in a very shabby way. We're a masterpiece that God has made. In fact, the Greek word for masterpiece is poema, where we get the word poem from. Okay? So it's the same way that someone who's a master artist, when they create a piece of art, it's a masterpiece. If I create a piece of art, it's never going to be a masterpiece. <laughs> Amen? But if Michelangelo draws something, it's a masterpiece. Why? Because he's a master artist. And God is the ultimate creator. He's the ultimate creative person in the universe. So when he creates something, it's always a masterpiece. It's never like a mediocre 5 out of 10 kind of a thing. Okay, So when God creates us anew, He's doing a work of a masterpiece in us. We've got to believe this. We are God's masterpiece. Eh? That's what God has done to us in Christ. If you're a believer, that's already happened. Okay, When someone sees a masterpiece, it literally takes their breath away. I, uh, I mean, I've seen photos of, of great works of art, and you can, you can appreciate when you see these things. It's amazing. Uh, if I had to see them in the flesh, it would probably take my breath away. And I believe that when someone gets born again, it takes the angel's breath away. 1 Peter 1 verse 12. Now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven... It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Salvation is something so wonderful that it says the angels desire to look into these things. It's mind-blowing to them when they see someone created anew in Christ Jesus. If you've been born again, you are God's masterpiece. And you should say that. You should get up in the morning and say, Thank you, Lord. I'm a masterpiece. Believe it. Not, oh, yeah, I'm the tail and not the head. And I'm trodden on and I'm, you know. It's, you're a masterpiece. God's word, that's what God has said about you. So believe it. Take a hold of it and believe it. Okay? That's the first thing we need to realize. So if we're going to understand... 
the plan that God has for us, that's where it starts. It starts with understanding God has created us anew and we're a masterpiece. If we don't get that, well, we're never going to walk in what God has for us. We're going to struggle, okay? If you, if you put your faith in God through Jesus Christ, God wants to create a creative masterpiece out of you. That's what we've got to believe. And then he wants to use you to accomplish a unique and special task. And let me just say this about the task. There is no one in the world that's doing this kind of job that God has thought of for you and I. If you want to be a teacher, you don't need to be a Christian. You can go and be a teacher. If you want to be a postman, go and be a postman. If you want to be a doctor, you don't need to be a Christian. And yet so often, Christians are praying, God, do you want me to be a teacher? Is that your plan for my life? You don't need to be a Christian. Just go and do it. What God wants is something unbelievable for your life. Way beyond what you can ask, seek, or imagine. Okay? Otherwise, why make a masterpiece out of us? Why not just make an ordinary painting? <laughs> He's made a masterpiece for something incredible. It, here's the other thing. It always comforts me to think that when God was going to make his masterpiece out of me, where did he go for his material? The scrap heap. He did. He went to the scrap heap. He pulled me out, a piece of scrap, and he made a masterpiece out of that. And that's what he does with all of our lives. He picks us up off the rubbish dump of life where we've been turfed aside, thrown aside by the world. It says, while we were still sinners, God died for us. Jesus came for us while we were sinners. We were on the scrap heap of life. We were nothing. And yet, his greatest work of art is going to come from that scrap heap. Not, oh, I'm going to look throughout the universe and find the shiniest gold and the best diamonds and all that. I'm going to go to the worst I'm going to go to the rubbish and I'm going to make something amazing out of that. That's you and I. It's incredible. <laughs> you see, I can say, well, I'm not something special, which is kind of true, but it's not true because... When God makes us anew, we are something special to God. And we should believe that. But we should have a humility to know where we've come from. It's not because uh, I had something God was looking for. He was looking for junk. <laughs> and then he said, I'm going to take this junk and I'm going to make something amazing out of it. Why? Because then he gets all the glory. Otherwise, I could have said, hey, you know what? I chipped in 10%. <laughs> I had a bit of shiny gold that God thought was really good. No, we were on the rubbish dump. <laughs> and God turned that into a masterpiece. Eh? Wow. You see, the important word that we have to lay a hold of in this verse is the word created. When we give our lives to God, He creates us. He recreates us. We're actually a new creation, the Bible says. It's not just God came and He said, okay, 
Um, if you're going to be saved, there's some changes that are going to happen in your life. You need a few improvements there. You've got to stop doing this, start doing that, think like this, don't think like that. This is not self-help. When we get saved, God recreates us. We're a new creation. We were something, and now we've been created something different. And if we don't understand that, we'll never walk in what God's planned for our lives. Because we have to be recreated in order to walk in the purposes of God. It's like, uh, it's like you've got uh, different, uh, different categories for motor racing, let's say. Sorry, ladies, if you're not into motor racing. Even guys, if you're not into motor racing. But just go with me on this. There's certain categories of cars that are allowed to race in certain events. If your engine isn't big enough, you can't race in a bigger event. Or if it's too small, you've got to go in this one. So in order to to go in a specific thing, you have to be a specific car. Now, in order to walk in the purposes of God, we have to be recreated. Because who we were cannot walk in those plans. You just can't. No one in the world can say, well, I'm not a Christian, but I want to walk in the things that God created me to do. They just can't do it. God has to recreate us out of what we were into what he wants us to be. Psalm 51 records the prayer of David when he was brought face to face with his terrible sin. Psalm 51, 9 and 10. He says, he's praying to the Lord and he says, Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. You see, David asked God, I need need my heart recreated. I don't just need a few changes here and there, a few suggestions to help me be a better person. I actually need a totally new heart. It takes a creative act of God to deal with the effects of sin in the human heart and the human life. God doesn't try and improve a sinner. He doesn't try and adjust a sinner, reform him, tamper with him. God, by his mighty power, recreates that sinner's heart. When we come to Jesus for salvation... we come to him having a revelation of our sin and our need for salvation. It's very important that when we come to Jesus, we have a revelation of our sin. Like David, we need to be saying, God, I actually need a new heart. Not, I'm a good person. I'm giving Christianity a try. I used to be a Buddhist. Now I'm giving Christianity a try. No, that's not going to save anybody. It's when we come to God and we say, God, I need a new heart. I need a miracle from you. I see the sinfulness in my heart and I need it changed. That's giving your life to God. That's when he breaks in. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit means someone who looks at what's inside their life and goes, I haven't got any money. I've got nothing to offer Jesus. That person receives the kingdom of God. But when we come to Jesus and we say, well, I would like what you've got and I would like to let you know I'm a good person. 
Yeah, look in my pocket. I've got a hundred bucks. Can I offer you a hundred bucks? Let me pay for my salvation. Let me pay for the meal. Jesus is like, you've got to come with nothing. Then you get salvation. Put your hundred bucks away. Put your good works away and come with nothing. <laughs> and go, God, I need your help. I need a new heart. I can't do this. No amount of good works is going to change this heart of mine. That's the person who is going to receive salvation. <laughs> when we come to Jesus hating our sin, loathing our sin, saying to God, please wipe these sins away, even though I have nothing to offer in return, then Jesus saves us and he creates us anew. Look at what Paul says about this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. In other versions it says you've become a new creation. Okay, The old life has gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a total gift from God. Okay? Who brought us back to himself through Christ. Brought us, not bought. Brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. And God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So another amazing truth is that not only are we a masterpiece, but we're a new creation. It's, it's important to understand, only as a new creation can you serve God. As an old creation, you cannot serve God. No matter what you try, you cannot do it. And the reason is because of what God's called us to. If, you just, if he just called you to be a teacher, you can be an old creation. If he's called you to be a lawyer, you can be an old creation. If he's called you to clean streets, you can be an old creation and do that. But what God has called us to, you cannot be an old creation. You have to, have to, have to be a new creation. It's the only way possible. <laughs> and the wonderful thing is that it says here, the old is gone and the new has come. I, you know, I, I can think of times in my life where I would say, I, I'd welcome the chance to have, a, have a, a new start, a clean slate. Wipe the slate clean and start again. And there must be many people in the world who say, you know what, I've messed up so badly in my life, I would love the chance just to wipe the slate clean and start again. Well, the gospel is that message. The old has gone. Gone. And the new has come. There's a totally new start for people. That's what God is offering them. <clears throat> if we've already come to God, we need to understand that we're a new creation. And because of that, we're now in a position to find out what exactly does God want us to do. So let's have a look at this verse a little more closely. We'll read it again. 2 Corinthians five seventeen to 20. This means that if anyone who belongs to Christ 
has become a new creation. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So from that scripture, I can see three phases, three successive phases that we go through in, in order to understand what God wants us to do. The first thing is God has to deal with sin in our lives. And it's, you might have already had this happen, but you need to understand why it's so important. Sin is the great barrier between God and man. While there's sin in our lives that's undealt with, there's no ways God can even, even meet with us, speak with us, change us or anything, because we've got this massive barrier between us and God. The root problem of sin is an independent and rebellious attitude towards God. So how can we serve God when sin at its root is rebelling against God? When sin says, I don't want you, God, <laughs> we can't. I used to think before I was saved, I didn't need God. I lived my life how I wanted. If I wanted to do something, I did it. I was the ruler of my life, not God. <laughs> and I actually thought I could be good enough to be in God's good books because I knew I wasn't a terrible person. I knew there were people way worse than me that had done way worse things. So I thought to myself, actually, I'm not such a bad guy. I'm sure God can put up with me. That's how I thought. <laughs> but I remember thinking that my prayers seemed to be hitting a ceiling. It was like they just hit the roof and bounced back down. I was like, I don't think God's listening to me. I think it's like, this is just a waste of time, me praying. I'm asking for help. But this was before I knew God. And I just thought, there's something, there's a barrier. I can feel there's a barrier between me and God. That's how it is for those who are not saved. They're cut off from a relationship with God. That connection with God is missing. And furthermore, God has no access to us to recreate us, to do the work that's needed in us to get, get us on the path of serving Him. He can't access us. So we have to let God deal with our sin. We come to God through Jesus Christ Believing that on the cross, Jesus took our sins. He paid the full price for them so that we can be reconciled to God. That word reconcile is to mend a relationship. It's to mend a relationship that's broken. That's what reconciling means. We had a relationship with God. Sin separated us. Reconciling puts us back together again. Now we have access to God. And more importantly, God has access to us. So that's the first thing. Sin, is, sin needs to be dealt with. And then the second thing is that we need a creative act of God, which is what we've been speaking about. God removes our sin. He recreates us from within. King Solomon said this, one of the wisest men ever in history. He said, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It's like a jet ski. 
Jet skis work like this. They've got a motor that just pumps uh, water, and they've got just a little uh, funnel or whatever it is to determine the direction. Your heart is like that, just squirting in all directions. It's going to determine the course of your life. It's going to push you along. And whatever's in your heart is going to happen in your life. If there's good in your heart, your life is going to result in a good direction. If there's evil in your heart, it's going to blow you along in an evil direction. That's what Solomon is saying here. And Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 15, 19 and 20. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying and slander. These are the things that defile you. It's the stuff that comes out of our heart. That's why God needs to recreate our heart to deal with this. The only way we can get our hearts fixed is by God recreating it. And that's where he starts, in our hearts. He creates us anew from the inside out. He doesn't work on the outside first. We come to God trying to clean up the outside. And he's saying, don't worry about that. Come to me and let me work on the inside. And when I recreate your heart, it will overflow into every other area of your life. The light of Christ will shine in our hearts. All the dark shadows from the past will be dispelled. Guilt and fear and loneliness will be dispelled. And then God works outward from your heart into every other area of your life. That's what he does. The message of the gospel is that God creates us anew. It's not self-help religion. It's not. It's not think differently and you'll change your life. That's not how God works. God creates a new heart. It's a miracle. Then we're changed. (laughs) And then it's from this place that we can discover our true purpose. See, many people are trying to find the meaning to life by doing all sorts of things. Climbing mountains. Traveling the world. Falling in love, falling out of love, trying this job, trying the next job, trying to make millions, trying to help millions. And they never find the meaning to life. Why? Because the problem is the heart. Unless the heart has changed, nothing that we do on the outside will ever make a difference. You can climb Mount Everest, every mountain in the world, and you will never ever walk in the plans that God has for you. Because we're carrying around the problem inside. (laughs) We're like a toy that's had its batteries removed. And it's not going to work. If the batteries aren't in, the toy doesn't work. The batteries have to be put back in to give life to the toy. (laughs) Without a connection to God, we can't live the life that He wants. So sin has to be dealt with, and God has to create in us a clean heart. We read it earlier in Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. If I read that backwards, this is what it reads. You can't do the good things God has planned for us to do unless God creates us anew. You can't do it. Because it says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so, so we can do the good works. 
the good things that he's planned for us to do. So in other words, that's the key thing, is that when we're saved, we're saved to do the things God has planned. In other words, you can't do that until you're saved. That's the starting point. And if you are a believer, you have to believe that your salvation has now opened the door so you can do these incredible things. That means it can't be a secular job. It can't be moving to Sydney. It can't be uh, sailing around the world and raising money for orphans because you can do that as a non-believer. You're getting it. If you have to be saved to do something, then that something is something the rest of the world can't do. Amen? You getting it? (laughs) All right. So God deals with our sin. He creates us anew. And then... This creative work from God goes to the third phase, which is this. God commits to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now we are getting to something the world cannot do. Now we're starting to see the plan of God for our lives unfold. Reconciliation is restoring a relationship, I I said earlier. So... Our relationship with God gets restored, and now God says, now I'm giving you that ministry to reconcile other people to God. So we become reconciled reconcilers, (laughs) in other words. And Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors. That's an amazing statement. I don't know if you know what an ambassador does or is or whatever, but have a think about an ambassador. An ambassador is an incredibly important person. They're not just nobodies here. An ambassador has unbelievable authority. An ambassador is the official representative of a government in the territory of another government. So I'm an ambassador... I represent a government, but I'm living inside of another government. I'm living in another country, but I represent a foreign government. That's you and I in Christ. We represent the government of heaven, but we're living here where it isn't, where it's still coming. That's being an ambassador. (laughs) An ambassador is not just a private individual. They have an incredibly important position. As long as they operate in accordance with the rules and the directions of their government, they carry incredible responsibility and incredible impact into those nations. In fact, an insult against an ambassador is treated as an insult against the government they represent. You can't insult an ambassador. You're insulting the entire country. And it's the same for us. When we get insulted, the entire government of heaven is insulted. How do I know that? Because Saul was persecuting the church. And on the road to Damascus, Jesus came, boom, smacked him down. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's like, I wasn't. I'm doing the church over there. No, no. You touch them. They're my ambassadors. You insult the whole of heaven's government. That's what happens. When we're persecuted for God, the whole of heaven is being persecuted. Amazing, eh? You're an ambassador. (laughs) 
Remember I told you, you're going to be doing stuff for God that you can't just go, well, anyone in the world can. No one in the world can put their hand up and say, I want to be an ambassador for God. You can't do that. You've got to be recreated. You've got to be made a masterpiece. And then you can be an ambassador for God. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are his official representatives of the government of heaven here on earth. And as long as we live in accordance with how heaven operates, we carry tremendous authority and power. We do. We have the whole of heaven's authority behind us. You and I are God's ambassadors in this present corrupt and evil world. And you represent the government of heaven. That's amazing. Let me wrap it up with this scripture. Matthew 4 verse 19. Jesus called his first first disciples. And this is what he said to them. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But fishers of men is like a weird concept. You think about it. What does that actually mean? Fishermen? No. Fishers of men. It's never been done before. This is one of the things that God has said, this is what I want you to do that no one else can do. And you can only do this when you are recreated in Jesus, when you're made a masterpiece, when you've got a brand new heart. Then you can fish for men and woman. (laughs) Amen? This is what comes after the new creation. And you might be going, well, gee, I was hoping I was going to come here tonight and hear something different. I don't want to be an ambassador, really. And uh, the Ministry of Reconciliation, I'm happy for the pastor to do that. And if it's fishes of men, I'm happy for the evangelist to do that. But you're missing something if you don't see this stuff as, as an incredible privilege that no one on the planet can do. If you want to drive Uber, go and drive Uber. Anyone can do that. But if you want to fish for people, no one but God's people can do that. No one can. If you want to reconcile people to God, no one but God's people can do that. Because you have to be reconciled first yourself in order to do that. You cannot say, follow me as I follow Jesus, if you're not first following Jesus. Otherwise, you're like the seven sons of Sceva. You know, come out in the name of Jesus that that guy Paul preaches. I don't know him personally. And guess what? They got their backsides kicked. They got whipped. (laughs) That's what happens. But we go, no, no, I know Jesus. I've met him. What he did in my life, he can do in yours. And that's the amazing thing that God wants us to do. Part of it. (laughs) Here's the wonderful thing is that Jesus said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Not, now that you're a Christian, go and fish for men. Go and see if you can get anybody reconciled. He he deals with our sin. He creates a new heart in us. He gives us the ministry of reconciliation. But then he doesn't say, okay, now that you've got that, good luck. He goes, follow me and I'll make you into what you're supposed to be. When we follow Jesus, He does the work in our lives. He actually, He makes us to be reconcilers. 
if we follow him how do we do it follow jesus not go and do a course how do i reconcile people to god i've got to learn the 28 points of all this thing and go and figure out what's going on no follow jesus and he will make you one these guys that followed him they were uneducated you know and he he created something incredible out of them i mean they did things that you can't even imagine (laughs) see here's the thing it's not what we are that matters it's what jesus will make us that's what matters you might be sitting out today thinking gee i don't think i've got a lot to offer god that's perfect that's exactly what he wants (laughs) he doesn't want you to offer anything (laughs) you're in the perfect position to be used by god if you think i've got nothing to offer god that's exactly what god wants because he will make you he will recreate you he will give you the ministry of reconciliation he'll do it all lean on him and trust in him And then he says, follow Jesus. And as we follow him, he will make us fishers of men. I just want to say, it's, there's something wonderful about reaching out to people for God. Don't, don't believe the lie that that's something that an evangelist is called to and I'm not called to. Every single one of us are called to witness. All of us are. Every single one of us have received the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Not make disciples of the church, of the nations. That's the unbelievers. <laughs> all of us have received that. And it's, if, if God's ways are perfect, and that's what he's created us to do, when we walk in it, we will be the most fulfilled people in all the world. But yet there's so many Christians that are going, oh, I don't know whether I want to do that. God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to be do you want me to go and be a missionary in Mongolia or whatever and you know run something, you know, run some ministry over there? You're a missionary right here. Wherever you are, you're a missionary. Whether you're in Australia, New York, France, England, doesn't matter where you are, you are God's ambassador. You're from a foreign nation heaven and you're representing God wherever you go you don't need to go to Mongolia to serve God serve him here and you'll be the most fulfilled person otherwise you're going to be sitting here going oh I'm so restless and I'm so unhappy because I'm not in Mongolia serving God (laughs) I've got to wait 10 years before I can get to Mongolia you know you know what I mean serve God now Believe the stuff and go, actually, I am a new creation. I am a masterpiece. I am an ambassador. Believe it. And go, when you walk into your workplace, you represent the government of heaven. Sheesh, what could happen? Anything. (laughs) God could say, that person there, his leg is broken. I'm coming here. I'm representing heaven. In heaven, there's no broken legs. In heaven, there's power to see that healed. You might never pray for you. That's an ambassador. (laughs) That's who God has created us to be. It's a mind-blowing thing. When we get our heads around this, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Really. We're going to have a look at a couple of other things that are even more mind-blowing in a couple of weeks to come. But uh, 
Let's just let's stand and let's just pray. And I'm 